I've said this many times before, that one of the most difficult scriptures of all scripture is Romans chapter 8 and 28. And we know that all things work together for good. Not that all things are good, because some stuff is absolute, downright dastardly that's happened. But he says, and we know, we're convinced that somehow all the things that I've gone through, the things that I've been through, they have been working for good because my God is the one working it out. Many times we think that God only allows good things to happen in our life. Actually, he also allows bad things to happen because it can provide a good outcome. Pastor Martin explains in Genesis chapter 45, verses three through eight. Today, Joseph's life is going to serve as a case study for us as we discover and explore what it means to be a person of purpose. Because as we think about this story of Joseph and how he is, was sung earlier by Brother Clint, he said, I've had some hard times, I've had some difficulties in my life, but I'm still here. Joseph could testify to the fact that through all that had gone on in his life, starting as a teenager, that he was still here. And not just here existing, but here flourishing. And he had come to the realization that it was God who had done it all. Because as we all navigate the complexities of life, we'll find that there's ups and downs, there's ins and outs, there's moments that you seem to have great clarity, and there's far more times where you seem to struggle to find clear understanding of what's happening in your life. If we start with this premise that perseverance is an unwillingness to give up or to relent until the intended outcome is achieved. If we start from that premise, then we begin to understand how these verses will begin to speak to us today and help lay the foundation for our lesson. These verses stand as a theological high point of the account of Joseph's life and one of the most eloquent affirmations in the Bible regarding God's sovereignty in human events with amazing, an absolute amazing sense of maturity, we see Joseph stating or declaring that God had worked beyond the foul intentions of his brothers to accomplish his great purpose. So when we hear him making this statement, it's a theological statement because he's saying, wait a minute, I have gone through all of these things, but it was God the whole time working it out. I've said this many times before, that one of the most difficult scriptures of all scripture is Romans chapter 8 and 28. And we know that all things 
work together for good. Not that all things are good, because some stuff is absolute, downright dastardly that has happened. But he says, and we know, we're convinced that somehow all the things that I've gone through, the things that I've been through, they have been working for good because my God is the one working it out. All things are not good, but all things work together for good. So Joseph makes this declaration, declaration centuries before the Apostle Paul writes this. So it's a high point in all the low points that he had. Because he speaks three specific times over the course of this time that, that he asserts to his brothers that it wasn't them, it was God. Now, stop for a moment and, and think with me. Of some of the things in your life, when you look back, they still cause you some grief. And then, remember what I just said, and we know all things work together for good. This is important to understand because as we discover or explore this sense of perseverance through, pur through purpose, we'll begin to see how as Joseph was a person of purpose, he was able to persevere through all of the things that he had to endure. One thing that I'd like to start by making is a declaration that all of the children of God, born again believers, are people of purpose. So I want you to make this declaration, point to yourself, say, I am a person of purpose. Now look around the room and say, we are people of purpose. Because just as your human body, every part of it has a divinely ordered and divinely designed purpose, because Paul describes born-again believers as the body of Christ, then every part of God's body has a divinely designed purpose. Now, granted, it may take some time for us to discover that, what that purpose is, but you don't get let off the hook about having purpose because you're not sure what it is. Here's what happened. So I went into the kitchen and I pulled out the drawer and I started see, seeing things that I wasn't quite sure why they were in the drawer. One thing was had a, it was blue, it had a curve, it had two sides and it came across the center and it had a handle. I couldn't imagine what could you possibly do with this thing. Infer with further inquiry, I discovered it was a special utensil 
to cut and design watermelons if you want to do a nice spread. <laughs> now, that is a very specific utensil, but it has purpose. See, you and I, because we're part of the body of Christ, we all have distinct purposes that God wants to accomplish through us, in us, because here's how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12. He says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one body, so is the body of Christ. We did this demonstration a few weeks ago with the eyelash. The eyelash is not significant unless you're trying to extend them and <laughs> make them thick, give, give some body to your eyes, make a statement with your eyelids. But from day to day, they're not that significant. If one drops off, you may not necessarily recognize it. But here's what happens, Ryan, is that when that, eye, that, that eyelash is accomplishing its God-designed purpose, it becomes at that moment the most important part of the human body. Here's how it works. If you're there, you're not paying attention, and there's a sharp object coming towards your eye, and you don't notice it, but when that one eyelash on the end of that eyelid feels or senses something is coming, it warns the eyelid to close to protect that eye. Thus, every part of the human body has purpose which then every part of the Christian body, the Christ body, has purpose. Once you understand that you have purpose, then you then set your mind on discovering, Lord, what is my purpose? We said this last week, I quoted this quote, that strong lives are motivated by dynamic purposes. Do you understand that as a member of the body of Christ, once you begin to walk with this sense of divinely designed purpose, it infuses you with the confidence, the assurance, but also the get up and go that is necessary to accomplish that purpose. Because strong lives are motivated by dynamic purposes. There's no more dynamic purpose than a divine purpose. It just sounds good. Divine purpose. God has a divine purpose for you. See how that sounds? It feels good, doesn't it? Makes you want to run out and do something. Hey, what, what do you want me to do, God? I mean, you telling me that <laughs> you saying I got a divine purpose? Because this great sense of purpose, as we'll see, was what allowed for Joseph to persevere. Today I'm going to look at six characteristics of people of purpose. Six characteristics of people of purpose. And we're going to use Joseph's life, as I said, as a case study for understanding these characteristics. 
So we're going to jump around a little bit in Genesis, and then we'll land back here in the 45th chapter to, to close out. So the first thing <clears throat> that people of purpose must first understand, and this is what I've spent my first part of my time helping to establish, they first must understand that they have purpose. Each person here, your uniqueness, because there are things that God has been building, he's been shaping, he's been molding in you, because if all things are working together for good, and we know that it is good to fulfill our God-given purpose, that God has been working in your life before you knew it. There are things that he's built up temperament in you because of what you've experienced. There are examples of times and seasons in which he has been shaping or depositing something in you. See, the thing that you must understand, if, if God knows the, the present, the past, and the future, he's been depositing all of your life. Okay, let's look at it like this. Do you understand that if you have a bank account with a bank or credit union and you have been depositing in that account for years, you have an expectation of an ability to withdraw. Now, what happens if you go to that, that, that go in and that, that poor teller, she's standing there, she says, I don't see anything in your account. Now, I know we're good Christian people here, but I just know, I just believe, I, I just believe prayer would be necessary. Holy Spirit is there. He's there. He's trying to, he said, calm down. Calm down, Dorothy. Just wait a minute. Be like, oh, uh, no, 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 no. I know that I put some money in this account. So understand that as we look at this context that, that God is depositing, he is depositing in that which he values. And we cannot say, well, God, you got the wrong one. I'm not worthy of that because his work is too important for him not to be careful of how he chooses. So when we look at Joseph, we first go back and we find this sense of purpose rising up in Joseph back in chapter 37. In chapter 37, verse 5, Simply put, Joseph has a dream. Now, Joseph has his dream. Now, we don't know for sure that uh, at this moment in time that he has the dream, that he, there's nothing in Scripture that helps us to say whether he fully understood at that moment that it was God giving him this dream. But it was through this dream that gave him this great sense of purpose. Because he had a dream, hear this now, that had not come to pass. 
So even as he's being sold by his brothers, dropped in a pit, taken out of the pit, sold, sent here, and finding themselves eaten down in the dungeon, it still had not been fulfilled. So when we think about Joseph, a teenager, a young man, this helps us to begin to understand that, that God wants to use teenagers too. Oftentimes, we kind of build this case that teenagers just go through their time of teenagerism. <laughs> and then someday, hopefully, they figure it all out. Joseph's a teenager when he has his dream. And he has this sense of purpose. Because here's what we see here. Whether he knew it or not, we, don't, we can argue that, but we don't, don't need to because let's just assume he did know. At this point, it's clear that God has plans for him. And guess what? According to what we've already established, God has plans for you. Here's what Ephesians chapter 10 said, that he, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now, it's always important to remind us that when we talk about works, as I said last week, working flows out of relationship with God. It's not, you don't work for relationship with God. Good works that Paul speaks of are the fruit of our salvation, not the cause of it. Good works are not incidental to God's plan. They are intricate to his plan. Because how does God accomplish his purposes in the earth? He works through you and I. Jesus says, I'm building my church because I'm, gonna, I'm getting ready to go back to my father. So I need to build my church. I'm going to leave my church. And my church, my global church, is going to accomplish the things that I've started. The church, God uses for his purposes. But there's also something that's important to be reminded of. Purpose also inspires a sense of hopefulness about the future. I'm reading an article recently, and it was a tourist in Cancun. And he had decided that he was going to go uh, and try to purchase some things, and he got a cab, and the cab driver took him off somewhere, some guys ambushed him, and they uh, threw him in a creek and left him for dead. As he lay there bleeding, struggling, he lay there and he thought, man, I'm going to die. And then he said he remembered something. I've got a wife and some girls back home. I can't lay here and die. This sense of purpose gave
gave him hopefulness in what seemed to be a hopeless situation. Even when we quote, we, you know, we all get excited about Jeremiah 29 and 11. I know the thoughts that I have for you. Think about why that sticks with you. Because it inspires hopefulness for the future because the verse ends with him saying to give you a future and a hope. Because this sense of hopefulness inspires us when there's something that's still yet to come. The next characteristic for people of purpose, they, excuse me, strive to do the right thing. People of purpose, God's people of purpose, strive to do the right thing. So Joseph, his brother's doing wrong. He finds himself having been recovered and he's come up. And then he has Potiphar's wife. He's around there because it's attractive, it's attractive for someone to live in purpose. I could imagine him being this, night, this young man who was determined and, and, and committed and dedicated. And Potiphar's wife begins to have an attraction. So think about this. He's still a young man. But he still strives to do what's right. Because here's what we see. He mentions the fact that, yeah, I don't want to do my master this way. He, he's given me control of everything except you. But he says, but I don't want to do this evil against God. Yeah, there were some consequences. See, there are things that people of purpose, there are some things you may refrain from because you just might go to jail. Yeah, when you're in that line and you think you're going you, you gonna, to, you feel like assaulting that cashier. <laughs> you think about it and you see yourself like this on the news and you say, well, uh, I'm going to just go ahead and let it go. But there are other things that you understand that may not get caught, but I don't do it because I don't want to do it against my God. See, that sense of representation of God, that sense of purpose in serving him, I don't want to do it because of what it will do to my witness for him. Third characteristic, people of purpose are willing to help others. See, when you begin to understand that God has given us purpose to serve his cause and the cause of his kingdom, generosity begins to stir in us. But it's important to know the difference between generosity and selflessness. Because we see somebody being generous and we say they're selfless, but not necessarily. Because here's what the Apostle Paul says 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, you can do all this stuff. You can do all these good things, but not doing it out of love. See, because love is selfless. Marriages and relationships struggle. Relationships with parent and child struggle when selfishness takes over and there's very little selflessness. My wife said, hey, I feel like, you know, driving down there. Like, but we just drove all over the Metroplex. Can we just, just go home? <laughs> Selfishness says, well, I'm going to go on and pull the car in and get out, and you can take it. I'm going to leave it running. <laughs> you go everywhere you want. It's a full tank of gas. But selflessness, Carmela says, okay, one more thing. So when you think about Joseph, he shows us in his life his willingness to help. You go over to chapter 40, verse 8, he's there and he's down. He's, I mean, I would imagine that this would be a very difficult time for him because he did what was right. He did what was right and still ended up in jail. Would you be able to sustain in this sense of divine purpose doing right and still getting what we would deem to be wrong? But now he's here. He's in jail for doing the right thing. And he finds himself overhearing that there's a need. Now, we can become bitter and callous and say, ah, you know, everybody needs to figure out on their own. But in chapter 40, verse 8, here's what it says. And they said to him, we each have had a dream. Oh, I know a little bit about dreaming. And there is no interpreter for it. So Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? See, because sometimes God puts us in a position in which he wants us to stand up and be a witness. See, Joseph is down there, and I would imagine wrestling with this idea, wait a minute, God, how is it that I did the right thing? I didn't touch her. And how did I get here? But he's there in the dungeon saying, interpretation comes from God. And he says, tell it to me. Joseph is willing to help out even though things have not gone so well for him. How many times does God put on our heart to help others? But because things are not so great for us at that moment, we say, well, I don't know. I'm going to wait till my situation gets figured out first. People of purpose are willing to help others. 
being generous, but also being selfless. Because you can be generous. Let's say you got, you got, you got, uh, let me see. I'm trying to see where the millionaires are in here. <laughs> For any future building projects we have in the church. So let's say you have millions. And you give a large sum to help. That is generous. But because you only gave what didn't hurt, it doesn't require you to be selfless. See, selfless means I give until I feel it. See, that's why, uh, th that's why many of us, uh, uh, when it comes to God wanting to get resources into the kingdom, he can't trust us with it. Because you know how it is. You struggle with the 10% on $100. You know, $10, ooh. Well, I Give the church 10? All I got is 100? No, let's, let's do some math here. What, real quick, I'm not, I'm not a mathematician, but let's do it. So if God needs... $100,000, well, how does he do it? He puts it in the hands of his people, right? So let's, let's look at this. So he needs 100, you, you have, you have 10,000. What's the math on that? That's 1,000. You good with that? Okay. I give out a heart of joy. What happens when it's 100,000? What's the numbers on that? That's 10,000. You got to add another zero. You know, you might struggle with that. All right, Brother Clint, what happens when it's a million? That's, Brother Rondi, that's a 100,000. You got to put some more zeros on it. <laughs> What happens when he blesses you with 10 million? Now you've got to put some extra zeros on it. But that's where we break off. You know, oh, uh, the church ain't never had nobody do anything like that. I mean, I think 100,000 to be generous. <laughs> See how generosity doesn't necessarily have to connect with selflessness? Because you can be generous with 100,000, but the million was what you're supposed to do. All right, let's get on up into the big numbers now. What if it's 100,000, 100 million dollars? A 10 million dollar check to Amity? Hmm, <laughs> I don't know about that. Because ultimately, people of purpose are willing to help you. So they look for opportunities to do that. Yes, not for reasons to not. Fourth characteristic, I'm almost done. People of purpose are willing to forgive others. Mmm, that's touchy right there because I got some people, I don't, they don't deserve to be forgiven. Genesis chapter 45, verse 5, here's what it says. But now do not Therefore, be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. 
for God sent me before you to preserve life. Let's look at verse 14 and 15. For when we look at how uh, forgiveness is important, think about how Jesus says, if we forgive others of their trespasses, how much more will our Heavenly Father forgive us? One of the things that I found is important about relationship with God is that he's going to put you in a situation like the unforgiving servant. You know, the story, the story that Jesus tells of a servant who goes and he has a big bill that he has to pay the king. The king says, hey, I'm going to forgive you. He goes and finds a neighbor who owes him just a little bit and he grabs him around the throat. So you better pay me today. See, because ultimately, as people of purpose, it may take us some time to forgive because of the nature of whatever it is, but we set our hearts on forgiving in order to get there. I said like this, if your plan is to head north to Sherman, Texas, you've got to get on a road heading towards Sherman, Texas. Now, you may not jump on there and take off flying. You may just be piddling along. But you've got to get on the road still. See, some things may be further away in terms of you getting to that point of being able to relinquish and forgive. But you need to be on the road of forgiveness in order to get to the destination. If you make a declaration, I ain't never forgiven them for what they did, then that says I'm never getting on the road. Yes, sir. I do understand there's some things that happen and they hurt even today, but people of purpose are willing to forgive. Amen? Amen. Fifth characteristic. People of purpose embrace that they are empowered to fulfill purpose. That we understand that, hey, if it's God's purpose being fulfilled in us, we are not the ones completing it. Joseph understood this in chapter 41, verse 16. Joseph answered Pharaoh and said, it is not in me. As he finally gets his big day, standing before Pharaoh and has an opportunity uh, to, to answer or to respond to the dream that he has, he says, it's not going to be me. It's going to be God. He says, answer Pharaoh said, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. See, understanding that it is God's empowering of us because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit in us gives us the ability to fulfill his great purpose in us. To fulfill his great purpose through us. Here's how... Uh, it's, it was declared to Zerubbabel. He said, he says, listen, I'm trying to do what you told me to do, God, but it's just not easy. Things are not coming together like I, like I thought. And in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, it says, and he answered and said to him, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. 
not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. That people of purpose understand we accomplish great purposes for God because his spirit empowers us to do it. You may be talented, you may be gifted, you may be, uh, have all kinds of abilities, but to fulfill God's purpose, his spirit living in. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us, and one translation says causes us to triumph in his name to triumph in Christ. He leads us in this sense of triumph. We're victorious because he is empowering us and infusing us with the ability to win. Last characteristic and I'm done. The sixth characteristic of people of purpose, they, give, they don't give up on fulfilling purpose. They don't just say, ah, it's been rough. I give up. Because I want you to see something. Joseph was 17 when he had the dream, but he was 30 when he finally stood before Pharaoh. 13 years of him persevering before he stands before Pharaoh as a teenager. We know this because in, in Genesis chapter 41 and 46, it says Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh. However, we see in Genesis 37 and verse 2 that Joseph was 17 years old. He persevered in this sense of purpose. So when we see Joseph standing here with his family, he has the power and the authority to get revenge. He has the power and the authority to cause them suffering. But he doesn't. One of the great attributes of being a Christ follower is our ability to love when others would turn their back. Because guess what? Jesus loved you and he loved me. Even when we were yet sinners, Christ died, not for the godly, not for those who had figured it out. Christ died for the ungodly. So one final note today. When we fulfill God's purposes, he is glorified and others are blessed. That concludes our message for today. And we want to thank you for visiting the Amity Bible Church. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or attend our Wednesday night virtual Bible study, contact us at amitybc.org. Until next time, be blessed.